Okay. I got my message today from my grandson. So we have to start out with a grandson story. He has proven to be very challenging to know how to deal with different areas in his life. And um, he negotiates, he turns things around, and uh, after he misbehaves, I'm the one that ends up apologizing to him for, you know, I'm not sure how that, how that just continually gets switched around, but um, he's, uh, he, he's amazing. And um, there are times when I'm thinking, my mother would always tell this story about me that when I was young, she was convinced I would end up in a reform school not far from my... So she said that a lot, and now I think I'm understanding what she experienced, because I'm like, I was a good kid. Once I went to school, I straightened right up. I was, I was good. But whatever grief I caused her before that point, I owe her an apology. So we were out on the back deck. I think it was earlier this week. And um, yeah, it was just earlier this week. And I've been working on my back deck, doing the siding on my back, the back of my house. So it's in my de in, on the deck and railing. It's a pain to work around. And in the corner of the garage where it comes over, there were bees and uh, the hornets that sting and leave a mark. And so I got nailed in the arm and man, that thing hurt for almost a whole week. It just bothered me like, well, man, whatever, whatever they're packing, it's, you know, it's effective. And so if Jace would come around or Mackenzie, I was, this has been going on for weeks. I've been like, stay away from this corner because I have a little shop vac and I'll put it and stick it in the, because I can't get spray into where they're at. They're clear up in somehow in the corner. And so I have a little shop vac, put the hose right there, turn it on and they get close to it. You know, and then you throw something in the bottom of the shop vac, you know, a little bit of paint thinner, or bee spray or whatever, and it'll kill. Well, I've been doing this for weeks, like several weeks doing this. When I'm out there working, I'll turn that on and suck them up as they come and go and whatever. I've probably emptied it four or five times. There's hundreds of bees in it every time I do. And I think, there, I got them. They're gone. They're done. Sure enough, the next day, they're back, you know, doing their reconnaissance flights. And um, so... At this point, this has been going on for a while, and Jace comes out. He's standing there with me, and, and uh, I said, here, stay back. I said, these bees are back, and I must have said too much. I must have given him too much information. And uh, I'm like, I thought I had, had them gone because he's like, bees? Like, he knew I'm always trying to get, like, bees? They're gone because I probably have told him. I think I got them now. I'm like, they're back. They're flying. And um, all of a sudden, um, Jace began comes very angry. Now, when he gets angry, like his real big anger, like it's a, it's a buildup. Like you can tell something's got him. He doesn't talk right away. He just starts to manifest this, you know, and it starts in his arms and he, and he makes a fist and he pulls his arms up funny and it's either one or both and he kind of does this and at the same time his little leg comes up and you know, it's kind of like, it's going to blow, you know, you're going to find out in just a moment what's really, you know, what's got to. 
And uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, <clears throat> we've been praying for birds that get, you know, hit the window and die. And we've been praying for things and um, teaching him things. Then the bird flies away. It's like, good, good. Like I'm being a good papa and teaching him how to have faith and pray for things. Right? Good, good. boy, Yeah, that, that stuff. And so um, he's carried that over to pray for all kinds of things. There was a bird that died in the backyard two years ago. I buried it by the stump, you know, in the whatever. He remembers he wants to dig it up and pray for it. So that's where he went with this. If we're going to do this, then and how do you whatever with that? And so uh, Sunday, Charlie and, and Krista were there with their two little ones, um, Elisha and Sarah and Jace comes over. They're all playing together all day. And their greatest, Jace's greatest thing is to find a toad. He names them. He carries them around, tortures them. Of course, he's just playing. And, and uh, so all three of them had found a toad that they were torturing and playing with and doing all these things with. It's like, sorry, son, you're, you're a sacrifice, you know, poor little toad. So eventually, uh, Isaiah runs into the house. He's a great match for for Jace, he's like the same intensity level, you know. He comes in, he's like, you've got you to come out. And, and he says, call 911 ASAP. Like, you know, he starts giving me orders. Like, we have an emergency and you've got to, he's really intense about this, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I follow him out. Sure enough, the toad is deceased, you know. It's, it's liberated from its tormentors. And this is what happens when Jace finds out something dies, like a bug. Like It's really hard to deal with things with him around. He breaks down bawling, full scale. I lost my best friend, my mother, whatever. I mean, at that level, he just starts crying. His emotions are just like, wow. And the frog's dead and da-da-da-da. So <clears throat> they're all showing me this. And I said, yeah, it's... It's died. I said, you guys have played with it. You're like big giants to this little toad, and it just couldn't take it anymore. You know, and they're showing me, holding its mouth open. Yep, yeah, it's certified dead, you know. I'll be the coroner, and I'll pronounce it dead, you know. So Jace is standing there with his toad. You know, we have it on. It's sitting on something on the back of the, at the back of the house down lower, and he asks me to walk away so he can have some time with the toad. No problem. I'm, I'm good. I'll just, I'll let you have your time. I don't know what he did. After that, he didn't cry anymore. Um, we don't know. He prays, and we're not sure what goes on with that. So we're with the bees. He's used to praying for things that died and blah, 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 and all this. And I tell them, tell him, they're back. They're back, and here you have to stay away. And, you know, I said, I don't know how, but they came back. Gets angry, and out it came. I'm mad at God. He healed the bees, and he brought them back to life, and boom, and he marches off the deck. How do you answer that? What do, you, what do we do now, pa? Like, how do you, and I, I was so, like, it was funny, but I was also conflicted about, like, I really am bothered when people are mad at God and just, like, you know, full-blown adults, and they're mad at God. I'm like, 
Don't do that. Like, that's really, you don't want to do that, you know. Slap yourself or something. Don't be mad at God. And if you are, get over it quick. And so, and we've all been through that phase. We know it can be very intense. And um, the moment stuck with me for some reason. It just stuck with me. I'm like, what was that really about? And should I be laugh or should I be concerned? Like, he's already, and how do you fix this, you know? He's realized, he's come to this conclusion, God can heal things, God can resurrect things, and now he's working against us. He raised these bees to life, and, you know, and, uh, you know, how do you fight that? And he marches off, and I don't see where he, he's gone. He's whatever. So this has been three or four days I've been pondering this. I'm working. And I think it was just yesterday. I'm like, what was that? And why am I intrigued with it? And I went, Jonah. Jonah. He got mad at God. And what did he say in the midst of this? I, I ran in the first place because I knew what? You were merciful, you were good, and just about the time I think somebody should be eliminated, you totally whatever. I felt to share on the story of Jonah today, lest there be something in us as we watch all of the atrocities of the world going on right now, and we're praying for judgment to come and vindication to come, and it's not even wrong, but beware lest they repent and God forgives them. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just heard on some of the news networks that I listened to, another 200 people, this is global, that were arrested, pedophile rings, and plus they captured over 100 children that had been subject to that. In this, this is just another recent thing. Actually, this is going on. It's been going on. Some good guys somewhere are at work. There's still things going on. Good. And and you're like, oh yeah, baby. There's nothing like I've got way too much information about the evil that's been going on. You thought it was bad, and then you get educated. You're like, wow, it's a lot to carry. I've been aware that we're. We're all carrying a level of trauma about the information we've gotten. It's not untrue. It affects us. I know, um, who is the woman that's in ministry, not Susie, um, uh, that talks about, inter pardon? Katie Souza. Yeah, Katie Souza, yeah, and talks about if you're, you experience trauma, you need that healed. Don't pretend like you don't. You cut your little finger. Make sure it doesn't get infected, right? Do you treat your heart the same way? If you experience trauma, if you experience a wound, don't go around sucking your thumb and acting like a child about it, but realize you just got bit, you got stung, and you need the Lord to touch that so that you can heal up correctly. The smallest cut can turn into the most serious thing, right? If infection, especially the wrong thing, gets into it, and your heart's no different. So we need to watch over that, keep coming to the Lord with those things. We cannot afford to get in this mode where we're hoping people get what's coming to them. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky area. I, I do want to see justice come. There are people that need to be confronted because of their evil.
But don't, but beware and be careful not to get offended with God when he forgives or releases someone and you don't think they deserve it. Because we all have our thing. We can forgive this. We can forgive that. We can forgive this. We can forgive that. And then you have that thing. You're like, nobody deserves to be forgiven for that. Right? Unless you're all a lot better than me. I've learned there are things where I go, oh, no, 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 not that. Jonah, short book. We've got time. Now the word of the Lord came into Jonah, came to Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah was a prophet. He knew what he was hearing. He wasn't like, who that? Who's talking to me? He was, he's like, he's like oh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, static, blah, 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 that thing. I know none of you have ever done that when the Lord's speaking to you, you know, but Jonah did it. Like, no. And he was like adamantly, no, no. I'm, it's such a big no, I'm, I'm running. Now, that's silly, isn't it, to think you can run from God, but we do it sometimes. We find a way to get busy. We find a way to drown ourselves and everything. And so he, said, he takes off and goes to Tarshish. I don't know why he thought that was a good place to go. Maybe it was a more evil place. He thought, God's not there. I can go hide from him. I don't know. What do we think sometimes when we're running? I mean, if you just stop for a moment, it's like, what are you doing? Where are you? Because the psalmists have discovered, it doesn't matter where I go. You're there, right? I go to the heights. You're there. I go to the bottom. You're there. I go this side of the world. You're there. I go to this side of the world. You're there. Where can I go to escape your presence or run from your? You find me. So that's a comforting thing, but not if you're running from God. Then it's a problem. It's like, oh, gee. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he was so adamant about this running thing that he was willing to pay for it, right? But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now this put a lot of people's lives in danger. Moral of the story, you also can put the people around you in danger if you're running from the Lord. So it's like a really big double no-no. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the, on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. So they were very serious about saving their lives. But Jonah had gone down and into the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. Like, he kind of told on himself. I know what's going on. I'm shut, I'm shut down. I'm shut out. I don't want to hear it. Okay. I don't, this, what, what storm? You know. So the captain came to him and said to him, it's like, see, he knew. What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. I'm not godly, but everybody's got a God they pray for. Yeah, pray too. And uh, you, get off and stop. What are you doing sleeping? We're in, we're, our lives are in danger here. <laughs> Jonah knew what was going on. And they said to one another, 
Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this terrible, um, this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? It's that question. You're like, uh, you, you probably don't want to know this. Like, what I tell you, you're not going to like. So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. <laughs> I fear the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? Like, ah, oh, we did find the culprit. Why would you do this to us? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So you don't have to be real spiritual to discern this thing. It was that obvious. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. This guy was in bad shape. I know what's causing this. Just pick me up, throw me off, throw me off. It's it's all my fault. Then the sea will become calm, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord. Please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. They were in a predicament. He just identified that he was a prophet of the Lord and they were nervous about throwing him, into, throwing him overboard. Yeah. Like, ah, this is a, this is a, bad, this is a bad day. We're either going to die from the storm or we're going to die because we killed this, you know, this prophet. Oh Lord, you know, have done it, please. Have, have, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea say, ceased from its anger. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They all got saved right here. Boom, okay? This is Catholic. Interpretation in the Hebrew. <laughs> Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down in the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought me up, uh, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. 
Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy or their own loving kindness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I've read this for years, many times. I I just paunt, listen, read, kind of like meditate on what what happened here. And uh, it's the the ongoing thing, you know. uh, How does a man live in the belly of a fish, a whale? It doesn't matter what it was. Something in the ocean swallowed him. How do you live for three days in that? I mean, it's not like there's an oxygen supply inside of there and so... I was rereading this and I went, oh yeah, the book, Imagine Heaven, the NDEs, the near-death experiences, and some of those stories, and I remembered one in particularly exactly, a man, uh, I see, I I wanna try to try to get this story right. It could have, it was one of the, heathen man, he dies, he is going to hell, like he is going to into a hellish place. And out of that, he remembers the slightest thing to call out to the Lord about and does. And he's snatched up from that thought, that going in. It, and I won't go into the description of what he experienced in the book, but it was very graphic and very horrible. You know, that thing where sinners say, oh, at least I'll be with my friends. <laughs> No, it won't be like that, guaranteed. It's the greatest. He was, this man was dead and being tormented beyond imagination. So you don't want to take that trip. But out of that place, there were, I believe there were a few stories where people called out to the Lord and they came and they got a second chance. I believe Jonah was descending like it had encompassed me uh, him i I, i'm gonna go with he died it was a he wasn't completely dead he was one of these near-death you know experiences and he encountered something and the fish grabbed him so that it could preserve him for and then at the right time the command of the lord threw him back up on on the on the beach Regardless, he definitely was in the deep. And this description is a death, is a, is the description of a, of a death experience. Yeah? You get encompassed by the waters. Can we say drowning? Like the weeds were around him. He experienced this. He goes down. He's ra- like everything about this experience, you don't stay in that place for three days. And so I went, for me personally, I'm like, I'll bet that's what this was. Makes perfect sense now that we have these stories, all these thousands of documented stories about near-death experiences and people that eventually always encounter Jesus. They don't have to be told who he is. They know who he is. They can tell who he is. And he comes face to face with the one he's running from, like, oh, not you. Yeah, yeah. Here I am, Jonah, in the midst of your death experience, you're swallowed by a fish, you know. You're having a bad day when you get swallowed by a big fish. So he cries out, and he asks for mercy, and the Lord gives it to him. 
Salvation is to the Lord. He makes this declaration. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Kind of like funny picture if you go literal. Like the Lord says to that. Okay, time. Deposit your, you know, cargo on the beach. Wow. Chapter 3, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, same word. All that running, all that experience, all that putting people's lives in danger, and he's back to same place. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message I tell you. Jonah's like, I already know what that message is. I know what you're going to, I know it, I know what it is. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. No ifs, ands, or buts. He knew this was going to be the message. You're all going to die. That's, there is no hope. There's no promise. There's no way to change this. It's not in the message. The message is 40 days, you're all cooked. You're gone. You're done. That was his message. He walked through the city preaching that. How would you like to preach that? This isn't preaching salvation. This is preaching, you're all going to die. Nothing you can do about it. You know, and you yell that and scream that in the city. It's not a very popular message. <laughs> but Jonah had been enough, through enough by now. He's like, can't be any worse than that fish. Whatever you can do to me, it can't be any worse than the experience I just went through. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go sit on a rock someplace and be over with, be done with it. Watch y'all burn. That was really his attitude. You ever get that attitude? You're all gonna, you're all gonna die. You're gonna, you know, out of us comes that you're gonna get what's coming to you, right? I just felt to, I'm just supposed to speak this word. Just deposit it. Just hold it. Let it guard you and guide you from going into that place because it's a dangerous place. When God's heart is to always look for the smallest reason to save somebody. He goes to the greatest extent to look for the smallest amount of faith to give them another chance. That's him. That's not us. We have limitations, term limits. <laughs> he starts out looking, and we watch people's behavior, and we try for a while, and we're like, okay, I'm done with you. And we have some things that we think and say that aren't that nice. We don't come to church and give it in our testimony. But we're thinking it. People that have caused offense to you there are some serious offenses. There are some serious things that you've suffered from, from the hands of others, 
from the voice of others, from the words of others, from the betrayals of others. You can forgive this, and you can forgive that, and this and that, and, and then there's this thing. I can't forget that. I can't forgive that. I, I'm going to speculate. You all have this thing, at least one, that's just hard to let go of. And you're holding it, and you're guarding it, and you're like, no, never going to forgive for that. It's a, this is a message about don't allow that to exist in your heart. Start repenting for it. Hold it up before the Lord and follow the Spirit's leading because he'll have you bless those people and it'll about kill you at first. But practice that and it will go. Let's be persistent about this. Be persistent about forgiving be per, is, and if it's there tomorrow, start over again. You now have an assignment, and you don't have to look at any prayer list. You just pray for that thing, and you'll, you'll do well. And you stand in that place till it goes, because I'm telling you, it will make you sick. It will affect your finances. It will affect your relationships. It will affect the things that you do, you pour yourself into. Have you not worked really hard at something and have it go bad anyways? It's just, I want you to consider, what if it's that thing that keeps showing up? You want to get that under the blood and be free, because the Lord's looking for every reason to bless you as well. But if the enemy has that one thing to keep bringing into the courts that's against you, the good old courts of heaven... So the people of Nineveh pulled a fast one. They believed God. <laughs> You're kidding me. After all this, after his evil, they believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he, he arose from his throne and laid his and laid aside his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and with ashes. This is a big deal. I mean, it's hard to get a Christian king to do this, let alone a heathen king, right? They took this serious. Sometimes the heathens are quicker to get the message of, of doom coming than we are. We sit in church and we hedge our bets and we're like, um, I'm not going to go that far with this. They knew. They took, they believed this. They took this seriously and they took action, not even having a promise of it making a difference. Desperate people do desperate things even without the hope sometimes of deliverance. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man, <coughs> excuse me, man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. <coughs> Do not let them eat or drink water. Some of you are thinking, I couldn't, I couldn't do that to my pets, right? Like, how do you look at Fluffy and go, ah, oh, hey, we're praying, we're fasting today. Verse 
But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. There were 120,000 people in this. This wasn't some little village somewhere. It was a great city. Cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? We have a hope, not that we were given a promise, but they knew enough about the Lord God to hope that he would respond to their repentance. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And Jonah got the word, and... If you saw my grandson get mad, you'd, you'd realize it's, it's, it's a scene. You just go, What's, it's going to blow. It's Moby Dick. He's like, you know, like, boy, there's a lot of feeling locked up inside that little boy. And Jonah, instead of rejoicing because he wasn't, he's a prophet. He believed God. But he had an attitude problem, didn't he? He was not aligned with the heart of God in what he did. He must have been good because he was very effective. I mean, you get that many people responding to a message, you're a successful preacher. You get, you get the award. You win. You know, you're the best. You're the greatest, Jonah. We would have been singing his praises. He should have been happy about it. But he's like... No. When I go around preaching hellfire, damnation, and, you know, you're all going to die, I expect to see some fire. Like, you know, that's what I'm, I'm in this for that. He's sitting back waiting for the fireworks. It's almost 4th of July. Boom. You know. Yeah, we're guilty. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, this is, again, my grandson negotiating. I, you know, and he would be like rattling on to me right now. About da -da 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 Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. You always change your mind about this. Evidently, he'd had some bad experiences with God before. I preach the message. You change your mind. You're making me look bad. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, see, are you willing to obey the Lord and be wrong for the sake that the Lord repents and relents and changes something? That's a big, that's a big ask. Man, I don't like to be wrong. Ask prophetic people. That's not what you don't want to be wrong. I think we're going to owe apologies, right, Kevin, to a lot of prophets that prophesied something, and we called them false or wrong, and the Lord changed his mind on something because something took place that we didn't see. And we called them false, and it's like, no, they did exactly what I said to do and told exactly what I said to tell. 
But that wasn't the end. Huh. Be careful what you call false. Be very careful. Be careful about analyzing everything for the way it appears. Someday, if he, if he cares to share it with us, and he may not, there'll be the rest of the story. But some of it just might be, that's none of your business. You'll be getting awards, rewards, not awards, rewards in heaven and accolades in heaven for being faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And you'll be like, but, but, but I missed it a lot. What if God answers and said, oh, you didn't miss anything. But what about this and what about that? No, you, you were right on track. You did what I asked you to do. Just because things don't seem like they turned out right, don't, don't judge it too early. Let's let the Lord work all this out. Give him time because he has, if you want to understand him, just dig deep into his heart. That's what we need to be aligned with. And his attitude, his mercy, and his loving kindness, and his, yeah. And Jonah was out of sync with that. He could hear the Lord. He could do what he was told, but he was not in sync with the heart of God. I don't want to be that person ever. I don't want to be out of sync with what he's feeling and doing in a situation. And it's so easy to flip into to the left, to the right, to the, you know, the ups and downs of life. He was so distraught after doing this, obeying the Lord and having a great successful revival meeting, the best, a whole nation, whole city rather, repents. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, my gosh. You're like, adults don't act like this. Oh, yeah, they do. It's not just my five-year-old grandson. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? So Jonah went out of that city, of the city, and he, he sat on the east side of the city, there he made himself a shelter and sat under in the shade till, uh, till he might see what would become of the city. So he's watching. He's still watching. Not with a good attitude. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. This is a funny. This is really funny. If you're watching, if you're not one of the players and you're just watching it, you're, it's just funny. He makes this big plant, a gourd, Grow up, uh, come up over that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. A nice, big, cool, mush, giant mushroom. Something grew up quickly and shaded him. And oh, getting away from the sun for a moment, doesn't it feel refreshing? He's like, huh, I can just lay back here. You know, this, is, this, this works. I've got a good seat. It's very grateful for the plant. I love this plant. Have you ever been there? You know, I love this place. I love this rock. I love this, you know, where you're at. Just, this is a great, I just love this. 
But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. Ah, the worm. There's always a worm. And so it damaged the plant that it withered. There goes the shade. And it happened when the sun arose and God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So he's back to that. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. Like, yes, I'm justified. Why? You know, of course I'm, I'm angry about this. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which you are more than one which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Should I not have compassion on them? This is what, don't miss this. Don't miss always in, in your walk with the Lord, being connected with his heart, with his mercy, with his graciousness. We strive for holiness. We desire to live in a way that pleases the Lord in the right way. That's all great. But beware lest your flesh turns that into a, I'm better, I'm doing it right, you're doing it wrong. Don't go there. You'll get burnt every time. You'll get caught every time. Do you understand how liberating it is to get free from judgment? It takes a lot of energy to wish evil on people. It, it zaps your strength. I wish we could hook up a meter to our hearts and see how much voltage, how much spiritual energy is getting pulled out when we have unforgiveness and we're holding a, they need to burn and die, you know? We, we can all go there. It's not about anybody, you know, not, it's, it's there. Life will do it to you. And, we're, and, and if you're not offended over yourself, you can be offended over what other people are suffering right now. Yeah? I've I got to guard over my heart. I've got to be careful. Hear things, I watch things, and I, I'm listening. To, all of a sudden, I get that, that thing pops up in my heart. I'm like, yeah, never mind. I'm feeling it, and, it, and it's, not a, it's not a good thing. It's very draining. And so we have to have the wisdom and the maturity to know how to discern and to keep in this place where we keep everything before the Lord and have this attitude because this childishness in Jonah that shows up in us, it's disgusting. It's ugly. You know, at some point, you grow up and you go, man, I don't want to act like that anymore. That, that doesn't look good. That's not attractive. People are ugly when they get bitter, when they're angry. It's not a, yeah, don't want to do that. Much better to live in this peace and in this heart of God, and you can do that. There's a place where you can stay close to him. And if you obey him, 
even if you, it's like just obey, just do what he says to do and stay in this place connected with his heart. I'm going to speak this word of correction to you. I'm going to say something hard to you. But I also know that the Lord, I know his heart, that if you repent, he'll deliver you. He'll repent. He'll release you from that. That's our God. It's, it's about stay close to his heart in everything you learn and know. Stay in that place. It's very peaceful. Your energy will come back. Your desire for life will come back because when you're on this other, this pendulum roller coaster, you, one day you want to live, the next day you want to die, one day you, love, you have a gourd covering you, a plant, the next day it's gone, you're cursing God, you know, you're like, that up and, are you tired of the up and down thing? You don't have to live that way. Don't, we don't have to live up and down. We can get this place where we just, we just walk with him. That let everything that you do be unto the Lord. Whether you're doing something phenomenal or whether you're washing dishes. Whether you're serving someone or whether you're like, you've got to be doing something with every moment of your life. And many of the things we don't really like to do, you don't have to be out of the presence of the Lord to do them. Oh, you can still pray. You can pray. You can praise. It just changes the reason you're there. It changes everything to be in this place where you're flowing with him. Obedience is great. Living in this, in this place of God's heart is greater. Not one, not the other, but both. Let's pray. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. We truly lived in, in, live in these very troubled, conflicted times. We ask for your heart that we can be your sons and your daughters that are light in all of the darkness, that have hope in all the despair, that believe that you're at work and that you will bring things to the right place at the right time and that you will have mercy on who you will have mercy on. And the Father, I want to stand in a place where I say, I want to see mercy come to even the most evil people. If they can come and see their, their thing and cry out to you, that they find mercy. I, do, I refuse to delight in the destruction of any soul. We hold that sometimes as Christians, like I'm allowed to feel that in certain situations and wish that in certain situations. Father, I, I'm not you. You're allowed to do that. I'm not. So I want to be at one with your heart of kindness and compassion. That even if I speak to someone about their sin, that I do it in redemption and not in judgment. It's all the difference. It's, just, it's the only difference. We definitely should say things that are sometimes hard to say. It, the issue is what we want the outcome to be. We want redemption. We want mercy. We want everyone to come to know you, to be forgiven, to be released from the death that they're living in. Father, let this prophet's life be an example to us to reveal what's in our hearts as well.
I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's good word. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless everybody. Enjoy the day. We just continue to praise you, Father, and you alone. And your name is lifted up. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We've been talking about divine reversals. And not just stopping the evil things now, but going back and reversing trauma that has already been done. Do you believe it's possible to go back into something that's happened to you in your past for it to be erased? The scripture says, with God, all things are possible. And I want us to declare that together today. And when we say that, when we get to the word all, I want us to shout that word. So say it with me now. With God, all things are possible. So we don't want to put any human limitations on the divine. If all things are possible, then divine reversals are possible, right? Yeah. Yes. So now we come to communion. And not only are your sins forgiven, they're washed away. Jesus goes back to the the things that you've committed in the past are no longer there. Don't look behind you anymore. That's the ultimate divine reversal. Those sins no longer exist. Amen. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 2, Paul says, you're not just dead to sin, you're alive in Christ. So again, it's the ultimate divine reversal. Your nature is changing it says if you're, if, you're, if you're dead in sin, how could you live it any longer? And then uh, in verse 14, he goes on and he says, you're no longer a slave to sin. So you have a new master, you have a new nature, and your past sins are forgiven. Isn't that the ultimate divine reversal? And then finally... This cup and this bread that you're about to come take, this is the sacrifice of Jesus that he made for us. So if you accept that, listen, before this, your fate was sealed and it was death. It doesn't matter who, the, the greatest person on earth, your fate was death, it was sealed. But now it's life. It's the ultimate divine reversal in communion. So come take it in. Take in divine reversal this morning. Amen. Thank you, Kurt.